0: few announcements. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to thank everyone who came out and volunteered for the fall festival on um, on Wednesday night. I know that that was a different night than we were originally supposed to do it, but you all came out full force and uh, so many of you cooked and did trunks and helped with food, um, helped with the uh, cakewalk. We had so much food that we gave away at the cakewalk. There were some very happy people leaving the fall festival with Cakes, maybe three or four of them. So, um, no, I'm just I was I'm very thankful for each of you. I wish I could thank everyone individually, um, but I can't. So this is the best this is the best I can do. But I'm just so thankful that you all were a part of that. We had um, of my count 41 families register, and that's not including the ones who didn't register. So that that gives us a chance to reach out to them and to stay connected with them. So um, I'm just very thankful for that event and, and just all that you all did. Um, As we move into our um, things that are coming up uh, tonight, um, if you're a student, uh, grades 6 through 12, we're going to have our student pumpkin smash. Um, It's down at the ball field, so if you're interested in that, we'll have food, we'll smash pumpkins, have some devotions, and uh, just have a time together. um, Just having fun and also worshiping, so uh, if you have any questions about that, you can see me. Um and another student event that we have coming up is Reverb. Um it's an all-night event that takes place um in Cartersville at Lake Point Champion Center and uh it's really just game it's has a, it has we have a huge worship service before it starts and then games and all that kind of stuff but it's an all-night event. Um if you're in 6th through 12th grade and you're interested in that, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. Just sign up as soon as you can for that. Um but it really is one of our favorite events of the year. Um do want to let you all know that our young adult ministry is meeting this Friday at Michelle and Benji Alexander's house. Um, that They're going through the pursuit of holiness. And if you have not come yet and you want to be a part of that, you can jump right in where they're at. Um, but would love for you to be a part of that. Um, it's just a great ministry that we have. And so if you have any questions about that, you can see me or Sarah Beth Bledsoe, um, and we will point you in the right direction. Um, shoeboxes. If you didn't notice when you came in, it's time to fill shoeboxes. For Samaritan's Purse. And so those are due back in two weeks, um, November the 20th. And so if you will bring those back, we'll take them to the drop off center. But there's labels, so grab a box and a label, and uh, the instructions and everything are pretty easy from there. So if you would be interested in doing that, those are on the welcome table. And uh, finally, last but not least, One Night in Bethlehem is coming very quickly. Um, it's going to be next month, so December 4th, which is a Sunday, and December 10th, which is a Saturday. Last year we did two Sunday nights, but this year is a Sunday night followed by a Saturday, and we always need volunteers for that. Um, there's, a, there's a volunteer list in the back. If you know um, that you do a certain thing every year, but please still put your name on that list so we know that that's covered, but it's one of the biggest um outreaches that we have each year so we would love for you to be a part of that if you don't know what one night in bethlehem is you're new and you want to be involved in that you can ask any of us on staff me neil um crystal when she gets back and we will we will let you know and we will we have a spot for you so uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that but as we get started with worship i'm gonna ask uh, mr duro langley to come forward and he's going to read our call to worship
1: Good morning, everyone. How are y'all? Good morning. Being a veteran, uh, veterans have been dear to my heart for many years. Uh, I have pretty much always looked at uh, Veterans Day as as a solemn day because we have so many veterans that are not with us. especially from the Vietnam area, Uh, we're getting to that point now as to where we're becoming like the World War II veterans. Uh, We're passing fastly. Uh, The suicide uh, rate for Vietnam veterans is 20 a day at this point in time. Uh, Those of you that haven't heard of PTSD, PTSD, They didn't know what was wrong with us when we came back. uh, It was in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, before they ever realized that uh, uh, we had this psychological condition that we were just dealing with. Uh, Rate of veterans' deaths was about 50 a day at that time, and so they knew something was going on. Uh, So that's when the term PTSD was formulated. Uh, They're still using that today because of all of our veterans and military people that have uh, been in uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, other conflicts. Uh, All of them are affected because when you're involved in war, uh, it affects you in a lot of different ways, and you don't know about it. But I want to take today, and we know Veterans Day is uh, this uh, Coming Friday, November the 11th. It's the same every year. Memorial uh, Day is when we honor those veterans that are not here, or who died, and those that died in conflict. Uh, but first, the thing that I want to do today, I want to ask all of our veterans here if they would to please stand. If you served in the military at all, please stand. I want. We want you to be recognized by a congregation. And it's good to see Al back there in the corner. Good. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. If y'all don't know what he was referring to, the T V is flooded with ads about Camp Lejeune. If you drank the water up there, call me, you know. Yeah, the, but anyway, that's, it's kind of like the Agent Orange, same, same situation, you know, call me. But uh, we had several uh, Veterans Day programs yesterday uh, around the areas because of Veterans Day falling on a uh, Friday. But for those of you who are not doing anything this Friday, uh, the school is having their kind of annual parade that they have started. And uh, they're asking for all veterans uh, to meet at a bus barn out on Highway 34 at 930. And what we do is we kind of have our vehicles decorated up. And we have flags uh, on the vehicles And then we drive through the elementary school first because it's right next to the the bus barn. And all those kids are out there just waving. And if if you want to see something precious, you need to be in that parade and seeing those kids waving the flags. Then we go to the elementary school uh, out on 100. And we drive through the back of the elementary school where all the students are. And then we'll come back to the high school and uh, we'll drive through the high school, and uh, then there'll be refreshments at the GPAC building over there. So if you're not doing anything Friday, get you a flag, put it on your car, and come to the bus garage out on Highway 34 going toward Newman. One little one little thing that uh, uh, jumped out at me, uh, I'm going across a little saying about a veteran and just to be the tell you the truth, it was only a coffee cup, and it caught my eye. What is a veteran, it said. A veteran is a defender of America and its freedom. A patriot who shows great courage and bravery. He is one who knows that freedom is never free. He is one who is a hero to their country. And when, you know, I talk to uh, small kids uh, about the flag, about uh, veteran stuff, uh, let them ask questions, answer whatever it is. But when you see how those young people treat a veteran, and that comes from the teachers here in Herd County, but when you see them react to a veteran, it'll almost make you cry. That's how important that our youth are here in Herod County. They're teaching them what veterans are, and uh, that's great. Now, our lesson today, uh, I'm going to read a little bit different uh, than we normally do. It's a, it will be in Isaiah, and it will be verses uh, 27 through 31. And what I am going to do, I found it very interesting. Uh, I use Matthew Henry as one of my study guides. And on my phone, I have a concise version of Matthew Henry, and I'm going to read that this morning, beginning with Isaiah 40, verses 27 through 31. The people of God are reproved for their unbelief and distrust of God. Let them remember that Jacob that that they took the names Jacob and Israel, from one who found God faithful to him in all his straits. And they bore these names as people in covenant with him. Many foolish frets and foolish fears would vanish before inquiry into the causes. It is bad to have evil thoughts. They rise up in your mind. But worse, turn these evil thoughts into evil words. What they had known and and, uh, had heard was sufficient to silence all these fears and distrust. Where God had begun the work of grace, he will perfect it. He will help those who in humble dependence on him, help themselves. As today, so shall the strength be. In the strength of divine grace, their souls shall ascend above the world. They shall run the way of God's commandments cheerfully. Let us watch against unbelief, pride, and self-confidence. If we go forth in our own strength, we shall faint and utterly fall. But having our hearts and our hopes in heaven, we shall be carried above all difficulties and be enabled to lay hold of the prize of our high calling in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Our kind and merciful Heavenly Father, we just come to you today and just so thankful that we are able to worship you in freedom in your house, Father. We just pray that you'll continue to look after our country. you look after all of the military that is protecting our country, Father, and just be with them and give them the guidance and uh, be able to survive uh, another day, Father. Uh, A lot of them have difficulty, difficult uh, fears ahead of them. And Father, as Neil brings us the message this morning, we just ask that you open his heart let his mouth speak the word so that we may can understand more about your book. And Father, we're just so thankful to everyone that is here this morning, and we just give all of our glory to you. This asking in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen.
2: Good morning. If you'll stand this morning, we're going to begin worship with singing at Calvary together. As we prepare for our message this morning, we're going to uh, sing Open My Eyes That I May See. And there's actually a fourth verse that isn't in your hymnal that we're also going to um, sing this morning just to prepare our hearts um, for worship. I hope you kind of focus in on these songs as your prayers we sing this morning. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, God, may that be our prayer as we um, continue our time of worship into this study, God. May you open our eyes um, and our ears and our mouths and our mind, God. Lord, may your word truly um, illuminate us, God, to shine your light beyond these walls. Um, and Lord, as we focus on such a joyful message this morning, God, may it just, um, just re, um, rejuvenate and revive the joy in us, God, And, Lord, this week, may we choose daily to have joy, God, because of the sermon we're about to hear, Lord. For Christ is risen, and he is risen indeed. So there is nothing that can um, hold us down, hold us back, or stop us, God. And, Lord, I just pray that um, that will just be our prayer this morning, God, and that you will just remind us of that in a powerful way that leads us um, to go shine your light into a dark world, God. Lord, I just love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children are going with Sarah Beth in the back for Children's Church.
3: Okay, as the children leave, I do want to recognize this morning a blessing that we have Chuck and Keisha Walton this morning. Riley Walton, this is his first day at Glenlock Baptist Church. What? Oh, are y'all still here? Are they still in here? Okay, good. They're back there. So, Riley Walton, Catherine, will you take the Bible? We present every child who first visits our church with a Bible as a gift of welcome to uh, to this young man. So, so grateful to have y'all. What was the name? (laughs) There you go. Good. I made another mistake. Y'all welcome her to our church. Well, my mouth has gotten me in trouble again. It happened last Sunday. In fact, it happened multiple times last Sunday. Does your mouth ever get you in trouble? It's okay unless you're in the pulpit. Then your mouth gets you in big trouble. Let's turn to Luke chapter 24. And I'll share with you what I mean. So, last Sunday morning near the end of my message, I made reference to the fact that um, when they came to Jesus' body on the cross, that they broke his legs. I said that they pierced his side and they broke his legs. And I was speeding through that message, and I, could, I saw Jeff Rude look up at Crystal like, What? We got some people here who know their Bibles. So immediately after the service, I began to get word that you said something that wasn't historically accurate. And I realized that in my heart of hearts, but my mind was, my, my, my mouth as it is now, my mouth was racing quicker than my mind and heart. So let me just say that the only perfect part of what happens here in the pulpit is when I'm reading the text. That's the perfect part of the message. The other thing I want to say is that um, know your Bibles. Be like the Bereans. Check to see for yourselves whether or not these things are true. And then the third thing I want to say is that there's a very significant point behind the fact that they did not break his legs. Do you know why they did not break his legs? Normally they did break the crucified victim's legs. Because, Paul, you're right, he was already dead. He was, as Charles Dickens says, he was dead as a doornail. The other thing, the other reason that's important is in Psalm 22, it was prophesied that none of his bones would be broken. So not only did it prove that Christ was already really, really dead, but it also proved that God was sovereign and in control of every detail of the cross so I'm, I'm grateful that uh, that 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 you caught the error and um, we want to be consistent with Scripture and, and for the life of me I don't know why I said that I, I may have said it to have a really good lead-in today <laughs> so let's turn to Luke and go the providence of God turn to Luke chapter 24 now this is incredible this is good news I love preaching about the resurrection of Christ. It's not just for Easter. It's not just for the springtime. It is for every single day that we live. We have worked through Luke's gospel, and this has been the last few weeks in a very simple summary. First, Jesus was arrested. Then, Jesus was sentenced. Then, Jesus was crucified, then last week Jesus was buried. How would life be now if Christ remained dead? The Bible works out some of those implications, but just a thought to get us started this morning, because look at Luke 24, verse 1. And I'm going to read through verse 35. This is... This is the good news. This is the the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Because it says in 24.1, But on the first day of the week, what a hopeful phrase, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away. From the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. These are angels, these are angelic messengers. Luke's gospel began with the birth of Jesus, angels announcing his birth. Luke's gospel is closing with the resurrection of Jesus and angels announcing that he is risen. The women were terrified, and rightfully so. They bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Verse 8, the light bulb goes off. They remembered his words. They returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. These words appeared to them as nonsense. Nonsense. And they would not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home marveling at that which had happened. Now, verse 12 is in brackets in the New American Standard because, frankly, there are some ancient manuscripts that do not contain verse 12, and your Bibles may make a note of that or they may bracket that. Moving on to verse 13. This, to me, is just an incredible story. So there were two of them who were going that very day, and they were walking home to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem, which, according to some commentators, about a two-hour walk. So they were conversing with each other about all the things which had taken place, and it came about that while they were conversing, while they were discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing Him. Now was it their slowness? Was it their lack of faith? Was it God Himself waiting until just the right moment to set the stage for the the incredible contrast? Well, maybe all of that. Verse 17, He said to them, He said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? Now I can relate to Cleopas here because I've asked some really stupid questions in my life. But this question is really, I mean, come on. Are you the only one who doesn't know what has happened? Look at verse 19. Jesus said to them, what things? See, the irony here is that Jesus is the only one who knows fully what has just happened in Jerusalem. And they will come to understand as he explains it. So Jesus says, what are you talking about? What things are you referring to? So they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene... ...who was a prophet mighty indeed and word in the sight of God and all the people. How the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death... ...and they crucified him. We were hoping. That's why they're sad. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel... Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning, they did not find his body, and they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. He preached himself to them from the Scriptures. They approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he would go farther, farther. and they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It's getting toward evening. The day is now nearly over. And so he went in to stay with them. So it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, that he took the bread... He blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Man, make yourself at home, Jesus. (laughs) He just reclines and takes the bread and starts serving them right there in their own home. Verse 31, this is amazing. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? They arose that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them. And they were saying, the Lord has really risen, and he's appeared to Simon. And then they began to relate their experiences on the road. And how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Heavenly Father, may we recognize Christ in the breaking of the bread of life this morning. Be with me and us, open my mind and my heart and my mouth to share the good news, open up our minds and hearts to receive it and also to share it and live it. How wonderful and gracious you are, how kind and merciful you have been, how omnipotent and omnipresent and, and, and powerful you are. The resurrection has so much that comes with it. What a gift, what a first day a new beginning for these disciples. And that can be every day uh, for us if we will believe in Christ and trust Christ, follow Christ and walk with Him through the journey uh, to to our ultimate home, which is heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, Obviously, there's so much here that we could look at, that we could talk about, But one thing I do want to say from the beginning is last week the burial of Jesus was so important. And we talked about how the people who were involved in the burial of Jesus were were in a sense models for how we can live now. They were waiting on the kingdom, they were caring for the body of Christ, they were preparing for worship, they were resting on the Sabbath, and they remained obedient to God's commands. Well, here's a question. What can people who live like that expect from God? What can people who live in that sort of way expect God to do? Well, I think here in Luke chapter 24, we have the rest of the story. We have in verse 1 this major transition that that seems to say to us, yeah, Jesus was dead and buried, and they were grieving, and they were sad, but God... God had planned something and God has done something and now he is opening up that great gift of life and eternal life for them to witness, to feel, to behold and to share with the world. Bryson mentioned one night in Bethlehem is approaching and it is fast approaching one of the roles that I have is standing at the empty tomb at the end of the story and proclaiming with the angelic Todd Hanley that he is not here. He is risen. But frankly, it's a pretty dark walk from the cross to the tomb. I mean, it's not well lit intentionally. Intentionally. So that as people kind of feel their way and find their way, that the setting is to set the stage for the dramatic, lightened, powerful announcement of, Behold, He is risen. So that's why it's crucial to go into the burial, the sorrow, the sadness, the disappointment, the hope. So that then the power and light and glory of the resurrection can only be enhanced for all that it is. So one of the things we've got to grasp from the very beginning are, is the fact that it took God for them to see it. It took God for them to grasp it. So I want to approach our text this morning with kind of a framework. To look at what God did And what God opened on that first resurrection morning I'll go ahead and start Number one God opened the tomb to reveal the resurrection of Jesus God opened the tomb to reveal the resurrection of Jesus What a big surprise What's interesting is that The first followers of Jesus were not expecting it. It completely shocked them. It bewildered them. They were very slow to believe it and very slow to embrace it. And we might say to ourselves, what's wrong with those people? Why couldn't they get it? And then you need to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what's wrong with me? Why am I sometimes so slow to believe? How could I, looking back on your life, you can think of times, how could I have been so foolish? How could I have not seen it? And this emphasizes one of the the proofs of the resurrection is that they were not expecting it, and it took a divine, angelic announcement and an omnipotent work of God to raise his son up from the dead so that the first followers of Jesus could finally see that he is not dead, that he is the living God. Now we know God is all the omnis, okay? He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, meaning he is all-knowing. He is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere. He's immutable, he's unchanging, he's self-existent, he's faithful, he's just. On paper, we know all of those things. But applying it into life, you and I also look for living among the dead. And so we need God's grace We need God's help. And thankfully, mercifully, he's up to the task of opening the tomb so that you and I can see that he truly is the living God. What we are pressing right now is the fact that in our framework and in our thinking, we don't think like God thinks. Our context and our framework is so locked in on our life and our way why did they not see it coming? Because they were so stuck in themselves. They were so narrow-minded. They were so self-absorbed. The reason they couldn't imagine the resurrection is they couldn't face the truth of the cross. They were not willing to accept that painful part of the story. And so if you're not willing to accept the cross and, and, and the death... Then you'll never expect a resurrection because you're not willing to face the first part. C.S. Lewis said this one reason you and I don't experience more resurrections in our lives is the fact that there are deaths that we refuse to die. We do not experience more resurrections because of the deaths that we refuse to die, meaning we are stubborn what did Jesus tell those guys this is not a nice thing to say you are foolish <laughs> foolish not to believe and that's why you're sad and that's why you're hoping on wednesday mornings and wednesday nights we're going through the book of hebrews a lot of you know that I've been in the process and we finally closed on our house we've moved Through the moving process, I've discovered a lot of things. One of the things that I was happy to discover was this old book my grandfather gave me that takes you through the book of Hebrews. And I'm thinking, well, I'm studying Hebrews. Here's a gift. (laughs) And I remember this is one of the first books I ever read as a young pastor. My granddad had dated this book with his little handwriting, 1981. So I felt really cool. I'll put Neil, 1993. That's a long time ago. And I'm going back through this book again. Reading it again for the first time. But I noticed on the back cover where it's referring to the G. Campbell Morgan Library, that my grandfather in cursive had written one word, just one word, right near the price, which is $2.45. He had written the word supernatural. And to me, I guess that's his word for summing up everything that the book of Hebrews was saying that our God is living, that our God is supernatural, that with God nothing shall be impossible. And the reason you and I become sad and the reason we become hopeless and the reason we become all that they were is because that's by nature who we are, but we serve a God who opens tombs to bring us into his life. And I'm going to continue to get sad. And there's going to be days when I begin to lose hope. And there are going to be things that I do and say that are going to be completely foolish. I've given you from the beginning two examples already. But you know what? Our God is the living God. And here in this dead, fallen world, we serve a God who on that first day opened a tomb that has changed absolutely everything everything let's move on i spent way too much on that first one but i thought that's pretty good <laughs> the open tomb that's foundational to our faith the second amazing thing is that god then opens the word he opens the scripture that reveals the plan of salvation through jesus if there's ever been a sermon <laughs> That we ought to wish we could hear. It would be Jesus talking about himself from the Old Testament scriptures. Explaining to them what they should have already known. But they didn't know it. Partly because God was hiding it from them until just the right time. Giving them the gift of revelation to heighten the sense of understanding. And the sense of joy. But let's be real. It was all written down already from the beginning. From Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where a promise was made to crush the head of the enemy, Satan, the author of sin and fall and death and the curse. He made a promise in Genesis 3.15. I wonder if Jesus took him to Genesis 3.15. And said right here was the first promise of the gospel. And it's talking about me. Isaiah 53. Our griefs he carried. Our sorrows he bore. By his stripes. I, I, I just know he took them through Isaiah 53. And talked about he was the lamb of God sent to take away the sin of the world. As they walk home to Emmaus. He gives them the light that they need from the scriptures to fully understand the things they were talking about. And if you and I want to know and fully understand the things that we are currently talking about in our culture and in our context, if we really want to know the truth of what's going on and where the narrative of future history is going, we go to the word of God and, and, and Luther said this, just as mom and dad go to the crib only to get the baby, we go to the scriptures only to get Christ. We go to the scriptures to receive Christ. He is our need. And that's exactly what he does in this particular passage. So after saying, you're foolish and slow, right? You're foolish and slow and hard, hard to believe, hard to change, stiff-necked and stubborn... He then uses the word to, Jeremiah said this, the word of God is like a hammer. It is like a hammer that will break the pride and the unbelief and the foolishness of humanity. And that's what he does with their hearts. And he does this in a good way. He does it in a merciful way. He does it in a gracious way. He opened the scriptures. He opened the tomb. He opened the scriptures. Moving on. Then, here's what's incredible also, all these incredible things. He opens the eyes, the hearts, and the minds of these first disciples to transform their lives. He opens the minds, hearts, and eyes of the disciples to transform their lives. Verse 31, their eyes were opened. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. <laughs> He's opened their eyes. They finally see through the breaking of bread who they have been conversing with. And then not only does he open their eyes because you and I by nature are spiritually blind you and I by nature are spiritually blind we need the light of the word and the light of the spirit and the light of the gospel to open our eyes so that we can see one reason why Jesus as he healed physically he did all these things physically now he does it spiritually he opens their eyes and our hearts are hard but he 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 moves in their hearts they have a heartwarming experience at what they say to themselves in verse 32 isn't that amazing you know what while he was talking to us about himself through the scriptures we we just could you feel it i could feel it my heart just began to be encouraged and strengthened and warmed that that maybe this whole thing is true maybe this whole thing is turning around could this be and he was, he was moving and shaping and heading their hearts in a certain direction. Apologies in advance for what I'm about to say. But as those Georgia-Tennessee scores started coming in, because I'm not watching it on live TV, Kyle, I thought, could it be? could this really happen? Is what I thought was going to be a disaster for my team, is it, is it, and, and, and you know this as a fan, because our, my first instinct is just, you know, we're going to get destroyed again. You know, you live with all that past trauma. <laughs> and then you're like, wait a second. And then in the end, you realize, it really happened. Now, on a much more significant, eternally important scale, as Jesus opened the Scriptures and He opened their eyes and their hearts and their minds, they felt God in their heart of hearts moving and working. But you know the key? Here's the key. Here's the the vortex. Here's the difference maker. Something happened on the road. And Jesus acted as if he was going to go further and not go into their home. But you know what they did? They felt something already, a need and a desire and a passion. And it says they invited Jesus in. Ah, They responded to what God was doing in their heart by wanting what? By wanting more. Because He is the risen Christ, table fellowship with the Lord and His people and His word is still available to you and me. Because the events of the gospel are not locked into Bethlehem. They're not locked into Jerusalem. They're not locked into 2,000 years ago. If this really is, according to the back of this book of Hebrews, if this really is a supernatural event and he is the living God, then you and I have have been invited and have the opportunity to have this type of fellowship here and now with our risen Christ. And that's why one of John's visions in the book of Revelation is incredible. He, he says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's on the outside. What hospitality. What a gentle Savior and servant. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is knocking, desiring fellowship with you in your life. And the reason John was telling the church that is that they thought they didn't need it. They said, we're rich, we're powerful, we're smart, people like us. We got it made. Why do we need anything? And John says, you don't know that you're poor, wretched, blind, naked, and miserable. That's why he's at the door of your life knocking. Now the two on the road to to Emmaus, they already got it. They they knew their need and they said, please come in. Now, in my transition to moving, something pretty interesting happened to me way early in the process. So Tracy and I needed a few small plumbing jobs done inside the house. Leaky faucets, putting a new sink in. You know, you got to do all that. you got to fix it up in order to sell it. We've been living like this for 15 years. Hired a really good plumber. I love the guy. I happened to be working at my desk one of the days he came to do some of the work. His name's Glenn. I'll tell you the rest of it if you're interested in his contact information. But Glenn's in there and he's working, he's working. He goes out to his truck. He'd been working a couple of hours. He goes out to his truck to get a tool or to get a part or something. And the door had closed behind him. Glenn's at my front porch. And, and, and I hear something, somebody knocking at the door. <laughs> and I was like, is that Glenn? So I go to the door and I open the front door, and it's Glenn the plumber. <laughs> and the reason I go to the door and open it is because I need Glenn. I can't do this stuff on my own. It would be worse if I did it on my own. So I said, Glenn, what are you doing? I says, you've been working in here two hours and you're knocking to see if I'll let you back in. Glenn says, hey, he says, hey man. He says, I am not the owner of this house. He says, I just I respect everybody's right to, to privacy and to their home ownership. He says, if I go out to the truck every time I knock before I come back in. I thought, man, that's incredible. I would I would have left the front door open the whole time and just been back and forth. What a wonderful Savior we have. And I could talk all day about what God can open in your life. But in reality, He's knocking. He's knocking. And if you will finally recognize your desperate need of Him. What happened here on the road to Emmaus can happen in your life personally. He opened the eyes, hearts, and minds of the disciples to transform their lives. And I'll close with this, and there's more, I guess, maybe next week. I'll find a way to fit all this in. But the fourth opening is that he opened the mouths of the disciples to empower them to share the good news. He opened the mouths of the disciples to empower them to share the good news. The heart of the gospel is the Lord has really risen. He's appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. Once they finally got it, they went back to Jerusalem. They, they did a 180. They repented. They turned and went back to the, to the original setting, the original epicenter of all that God was doing in salvation history. And they wanted to be a part of it. In fact, they had something to bring to the table. They had something to share. Their personal testimony about what God was doing in their life, we saw him, we saw him, we saw him too. But isn't it interesting that Luke picks out Simon Peter? What was so big about appearing to Simon Peter? Man, the cross of Christ crushed Peter. His own betrayal crushed Peter. Jesus intentionally and personally went to show Peter that it's all still graciously possible for you to live and be forgiven and be loved and still have a wonderful, meaningful life to share. Peter later would say, following this, he would tell in First and 2 Peter, he would say to every one of us, because he has risen, we have a brand new life with everything to live for. Because he's risen, we have a brand new life with everything to live for. And there are a lot of implications, but I guess I'm going to close with this one. One of the things that this proves there is that there really is a love that's stronger than death. There really is a love that's stronger than death. Up from the grave, he arose. <laughs> with a mighty triumph or his foes, right? What did that? The love of God, the love that will not let us go. So sorting through all this stuff in our move, I'm in one of those small toy closets upstairs. We've been stuffing toys and pictures and memories into these small little closets and I have to Bend down and get in there and sort through all that. There's a box to throw away and a box to take here and a box to take there. Man, there was stuff in there I hadn't seen in years. Toys I had that passed on to them and they played with. You hear the voice in the back of your head, throw that stuff away. (laughs) Get rid of this stuff. You don't need this stuff. And then my heart just won't let it go. Your heart just won't let it go. Now, if someone as sinful and silly and sentimental as me can't get rid of stuff related to my family that I love, did you ever think really there was one chance in the universe that God was going to leave his beloved son buried in that tomb? Was there ever a chance that he was going to leave his son buried in that tomb? Not a chance. Why? Because there is an eternal love that's stronger There is a love out there that even though we are sinful and wicked fallen people, there truly is a love that will not let us go. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that that love is real, it's alive, it's powerful, and it's available to you and me. Father, thank you for the fact that you have said That there is neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can separate us from the love you have for us in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. His victory is our victory. His resurrection is our resurrection. Lord, so may we be willing to enter into The crucifixion and what it means. Dying to self, dying to sin, surrendering our lives, confessing that we are wretched, poor, miserable people who can only be saved by Christ coming in with his grace and his mercy and his righteousness. Take us there, Lord, so that we can truly live. Thank you for being the living God who will never, ever let us go. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Hallelujah. What a Savior.
4: song to close out our
3: service, uh, the message of the gospel again, hallelujah, what a, what a savior. Hey, I do want to say, today is Miss Yvonne's birthday, is she back there? Amen. Hey, let's do for one what we wish we could do for everybody. Miss Yvonne, we love you, grateful for your energy, your enthusiasm, your love and service to the Lord, happy birthday to you. Uh, tonight, uh, adult choir at 5, and then uh, Youth Pumpkin Smash at 6, Adult Bible Study, Will Will Meet at 6, and then uh, Children's Choirs at 6 also, I think, right, Stephanie, to work on children's music. So last Sunday morning, they did an outstanding job uh, singing the song that they sang and shared with us last Sunday morning. If there's anything I've forgotten, Catherine, please correct me.
2: Um, the, there are CDs in the back Christmas is a great time to jump in for choir, um, we're not doing a whole Christmas program but we are singing Christmas songs on Sunday so CDs take you through November December and January, so we would love to have you at choir at 5 um, Mr. Darrell, do we still need peanut butter in the pantry? Yes. Peanut butter, don't forget to bring in peanut butter for our food pantry um, Pastor Neil mentioned singing Christ Arose as our invitation today. Um, And we went back between the two, but we are going to sing that as our benediction today, kind of to encourage us as we leave. Um, We're just going to sing the chorus together. Up from the grave he arose